Episode 13 of the Handsome Hockey Podcast. We are lucky closing. episode 13. <laughs> yes, we are. That was lightning. <laughs> I'm embarrassed for myself. I Thank am you. Jake and I am sitting here remotely recording with my good buddy Evan. Hey, I'm Evan. The doctor says I'm not contagious. We are COVID free despite Evan's best efforts to get COVID, which is nice, but we're we're going we're gonna to try this remote thing one more time, see how it works. That way we don't have to see each other in person ever again. How many doorknobs do I have to lick, man? 37. I totally did more than that. <laughs> it, it's only 37. If you go over or under, you don't get it. <laughs> it's like the holy hand grenade of Antioch. Yes. Today we are gonna, we're going to do a little bit of season preview just talking about some free agents that have signed and we're going to talk about love we're going to talk about the world juniors and we're going to talk about trailblazers of women's hockey the officiating crews the female officiating crews that are doing the nwhl season this year and any other hijinks that we think of all along the way it has been a week full of hijinks hasn't it i mean First off with Chara pulling some hijinks and running off to Washington to join the geriatric crew. What the hell? We just talked about last week how we couldn't imagine him ever going somewhere else. And then he heard us and said, eh, fuck you guys. I'm going to take my talents to the South Peach of the Chesapeake Bay. Zidane Chara is an icon in Boston and he's now playing for the enemy. Like this is... This is on par with Henrik Lundqvist going to the Caps as well. And it's like they're creating a retirement community (laughs) for aging NHLers in D.C. That, to me, says we're going to see some broken hips in Washington this year. Some of which will be inflicted by Zidane Chara and his willingness to throw all 700 feet of his body and stick into any person especially Evgeny Svechnikov. Um, but there, there's a real concern on my end for the damage being done to the elderly community in Washington, D.C. <laughs> they can't put up with this, this physical abuse for the long term. And so I guess it's good that we have a short season and that their septuagenarian roster will, will be able to make it through a whole year. I mean, I don't think Heinrich Lundqvist could actually make it through the transition from team to team. I think he was so heartbroken to leave New York that, you know, now he's getting surgery. Yeah. Both goalies are under 30. They have a couple of young defensemen, uh, a one 23-year-old, two 29-year-olds, both who have a ton of mileage on their legs and Trevor Van Riemsdyk and Dmitry Orlov. And then they have... Three forwards, four forwards under 20, but Kuznetsov is 28. Richard Panic, who I I thought was 47, is 29. Garnet Hathaway is a guy, 
apparently. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great name. Yeah, you are a shade of red. Here is your <laughs> here is your here's your sister Scarlet and your brother Crimson. <laughs> yeah, you are a Sherwin Williams paint color. <laughs> You're just a swatch. Um, and Connor Sheary, the ghost of Connor Sheary, still plays there, but they've got. Ovechkin is 35, Backstrom's 33, Oshie's 34, Lars Eller's 31, Carl Haglund's 32, Nick Dowd is 30, John Carlson's 30, Justin Schultz is 30, Brendan Dillon's 30, Nick Jensen's 30, and Zdeno Chara at the ripe old age of 43. That sounds like the zero fun zone. That sounds like the take some Percocets and go to bed team. I don't know. That might be fun. (laughs) <laughs> they also have eight defensemen under contract for next year. So Chara was kind of just like a, I don't know if that's just like a brilliant fuck you to Boston or if that's like, they really expect him to play this year well, in the media that I've seen. It sounds like they sold him on playing time, you know, like it's a NCAA football team. Like, and yeah, you look at the roster and you're like, I don't see any playing time there. I mean, he played on the top line last year. Maybe he is the ying to John Carlson's yang. I don't know. Maybe that's what they want him to be. Uh, that would be interesting. I don't know. Very interested to see how that shakes itself out in Washington and just generally interested to see what the hell Washington is when the pucks start flying. Well, they started, there was a lot of chatter about them trading Nick Jensen in the offseason. And that never came to pass. So maybe what we're looking at is some taxi squad situations here. I mean, I imagine everybody is going to have a very busy taxi system all year with COVID and all the back-to-backs. This year is probably going to be the year of the backup goalie that steals the show. Because you're going to have a game every two days at... Mm -hmm on average, building in some practice and some travel time in there, like, you know, the amount of back-to-backs we're going to see is ridiculous. So all of a sudden, Jake Allen's contract seems so much more heady, doesn't it? I thought it was, we talked about this in the way, way back machine, gosh, like probably Mm -hmm. two or three months ago, like as the season, I think that trade went through before the season ended. I thought it was a brilliant move then. And then they re-signed him for less money for two more years. So are they putting a lot of money into their goaltending tandem? Yes. Do they have the best goaltending tandem in the NHL? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you have a proven starter as your backup who can eat up in a full season, 40 games. And then you have Carey Price, who is like French Jesus. So, you know, like... (laughs) French Canadian Jesus. <laughs> he dies for the Quebecois sins. He is the modern Joan of Arc, is what I'm saying. So he's going to get a gilded statue in a roundabout in Portland, Oregon? Yes. Oh my God. <laughs> Can you imagine like a Carey Price making this like fantastic save sort of? Oh gosh. Yes. For the record, in Portland, Oregon, there is a inexplicable Joan of Arc golden painted statue in the middle of a roundabout that has a weird reason to exist in the first place. So yeah, why not just add Carey Price or maybe, I don't know, like put him in goalie pads, like in front of Joan of Arc on the horse or something. I, every time I see that damn thing, I laugh like just it, its existence is just funny. And I wonder how many 
traffic accidents the gilded lady has <laughs> has caused like yeah people right. driving like who is that person on a horse who is that woman on a horse why the fuck is joan of arc on a horse in the middle of portland <laughs> like yeah and there's like not, nothing else going on you're <laughs> about to get on the freeway <laughs> like, yeah like that's that's what you get when you see when you know you're almost to the freeway you're almost to the 84 when you get to joan of arc so uh, other free agent signings, we have PLD, Pierre-Luc Dubois, two years for $5 million. Seems like good value for a big piece of that team. He is one of the glue people on that team. Like He's, he's one of their, their stars. And so if you can get one of your stars at under $5 million, I think I think it's a great contract for them. In a COVID world, that's probably a great contract for PLD as well. Well, and I was amazed this year in the playoffs, his ability to just turn it on. Torts got pissed at him a couple times and snapped his fingers, and then all of a sudden he was everywhere. He was scoring, he was hitting, he was doing everything. And so him and Torts seems like a match made in heaven so far. You want to introduce the country album? <laughs> the country music so the CMA Artist of the Year Award goes to St. Louis star Vince Dunn signing a one-year $1.875 million bridge deal. St. Louis doesn't have any money, so getting Vince Dunn signed is kind of a small miracle. And really what we're looking for is him teaming up with Ryan O'Reilly to set country hearts aflame with their acoustic pickings this year. I hear Vince Both. Dunn can kill it on harmonica. Oh, you know, if he can play a washboard or the spoons <laughs> or a harpsichord, then you know what? Hell yeah. <laughs> There's no harpsichord in country music. Uh, you know, there can be that. That's just innovating. It's like pirate themed country music. <laughs> and then finally, this just came through this morning. John Marino signs a an extremely team friendly, I think, six year, four point four million year per deal with the Penguins. You know, you gotta hand it to Rutherford over there in Pittsburgh. The guy, there's no middle ground for Jim mm-hmm. Rutherford. It's either he's making these killer signings, like even the contracts for Malkin and Crosby look like pittance for what they give them now. Or he's signing Jack Johnson to a $3 million three-year contract and then immediately ripping it up and waving him. So this falls in the former category, I think. John Marino had a, an excellent season last year. He's young. He's got a ton of upside as he moves up to the depth chart there. And I think this is an, an excellent signing for Pittsburgh. Yeah, you get the sense that they have gotten in front of his value possibly skyrocketing pretty soon he was a fifth round draft pick traded from edmonton for a sixth round draft pick to the penguins like how shitty has Edmonton have to feel about giving up what has turned out to be such a quality defenseman for so little um but i realize he's a uh, harvard product well it's um, it's right up there with trading taylor hall for adam larson straight up or edmonton they got four cups in like six years in <laughs> in the eighties. They can. That's this true, is what they just, get for trading Wade Gretzky. That's uh, also true. They and they get this, what they deserve. <laughs> this is just karmic retribution. Yeah. You know how long this karmic retribution will last? Ninety nine years. 
is that the uh, the goat the 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 Cubs goat? Like, did that set the precedent? Yeah, I think it's you get the karmic retribution for how the number on their jersey. So, sorry, you got the max karmic retribution by trading ninety nine. <laughs> yeah, things that last ninety nine years. Kar- karmic ret- retribution and Dolly Parton's career. Student debt. <laughs> They're gonna bury me with my student debt. Speaking of things we could do to ameliorate student debt, ads on jerseys. I could put ads on my jersey? Yeah, dude. If somebody paid me five bucks to put like a Shebop ad on my back, mm-hmm. I would do it in a heartbeat. I was thinking uh, like Sassies, like get sponsored by a strip club. Yeah, as long as we didn't have to change the name of the team. Because then we'd have mm-hmm. to change the name of the podcast and that's just bad luck. We could just acquire a strip club. Man, I don't even go into strip clubs. I don't want to own one. <laughs> so yeah ads on jerseys speaking of things that are make you feel a little dirty like strip clubs but also make you feel a little nice like money in your pocket the ads don't look awful i don't like the placement in that they sort of uh, so if anybody's seen pictures of the ads a lot a couple of the ones go on the helmet kind of where a logo would go and that part of it i don't really like yeah you have to do it well like the nba did it well it's mm-hmm. a small ad, like right above the heart on one of the, I guess, quote unquote, sleeves of the jersey. And they're not really intrusive. People were upset about it for about six days and then they went away. Now, if you start looking like a European hockey club with ads, like 47 ads just on the pants, <laughs> Then, yeah, you start looking like a NASCAR car. Yes. Like, I don't want to know what M&M is Dylan Larkin's favorite M&M. Like, I don't, <laughs> I don't need to know that. The Capitals pulling in Capital One as their ad sponsor is pretty great. If the Red yeah, Wings... Yeah, I kind of like that, too. If the Red Wings could get Red Wing boots to be their sponsor, then all for it. Let's do it. Uh, also, that would be like the coolest sponsorship in the league. I fucking love Red Wing boots. Like, I'm all in on anything... American made like that and I own two pairs of Red Wings and counting. So that would be sweet. I would I just jump ship for that. Yeah. So I screw the Blackhawks. (laughs) Moving on to lost love. Love once rekindled can never be rekindled again. The sad pour one out. The sad Uh, days of Lindsey Vaughn and PK Subban have now begun. Is there is there any hope for true love? If those two love buckets can't keep it together, I don't know who can. They seem to have had a pretty amicable split. You know, there have been jokes for years that, for three years exactly, that P.K. Subban's (laughs) career kind of fell apart when he started dating Lindsey Vonn. So I'm going to throw my hat in the ring now and say, P.K. Subban, comeback player of the year. I would love to see it happen. Never felt more motivated as a hockey player playing than when I've had a, a I don't know, relationship-centric axe to grind and a little, little extra chip on my shoulder. So yeah, hopefully in 56 games, you know, he can show Lindsay that she made a mistake. So speaking of groups that will be fine after setbacks, uh, Canada's World Junior Team looking more powerful than ever coming into this. What setback did they have? <laughs> well, they lost their captain. Oh, well... Yeah, but I think they're fine. Like, this is a team... Yeah, I mean, they just re- they just reload the gun. Yeah, the gun... The, they don't actually even have to reload it. It's just... 
constantly firing. And like the Canadian machine is ridiculous. The Canadian machine cut Shane Wright, who is supposed is in two years going to be the number one pick in the NHL draft. And they were just like, Oh, we don't need you. Goodbye. Sorry, you're a little too young. <laughs> Go back to your home, eh? Your, your mom needs you home. Your mom needs you home for dinner. And and she's making poutine. Yeah, Canada Canada's fine. They've been absolutely destroying everybody. They are definitely the favorites to win, but they do face a very good Russian team who has Askarov as their goalie who can steal a game whenever need be. And they're also very talented up front themselves. On the other side of the, the semifinals, the U.S. and Finland. Finland knocked out Sweden to get there. A, a very An extremely talented Sweden team that going into this tournament had won something like 49 games in a row. I think their streak was snapped at 53 by Russia. And then they lost three in a row. The U.S. kind of dumping on them. And then Finland knocking them out of the tournament in the quarterfinals. I think the finals for the World Juniors, it's probably going to be U.S.-Canada. And as much as I hate to say it, I think Canada wins. I'm not going out on a limb there, I know, because they're a juggernaut. But yeah, what, it's hard what does the see. U.S. have in terms of opposition to that? Well, the, I think the U.S. team is very good. Spencer Knight's an excellent goalie, especially in his age group. He's one of the top goalie prospects in the world right now. I think the U.S. has a very strong team. They're clearly the second best team in this in this tournament. They lost to Russia in the first game and have just stomped on everybody since. And mm. so in that case, it'd be awesome to see them play Russia again in the finals and you know stomp them as well. And I'm always a fan of anybody defeating Canada, but I would much rather be the U.S. than Russia. Why give Russia the credit when the U.S. can do it? But it's not going to happen. Canada's too good. They're insanely talented. <laughs> and that was yeah, that, with uh, some guys not playing. I'm just looking at the... U.S. roster right now and Caulfield, Turcotte, Zegras, like that's interesting. Yeah, no, it's a, extremely talented. It's an extremely talented group. It's just not as talented as the Canadian team. It is kind of cool though to see you know more regular big groups of talented kids coming out of the U.S. Now, uh, I feel like the expectations every year in World Juniors are exponentially above where they maybe were eight years ago oh the national development team is was a brilliant move by the u.s every year you see two-thirds of the kids who are on the world junior team are either are playing or have played for the developmental team it was something that really needed to happen for the u.s to catch up in that arms race and i think we've seen like this year's developmental team wasn't considered that great i mean the year before was the insane year where they should have probably won before they got knocked out by askarov Mm -hmm. and that team was just loaded with with future nhl talent this year's team still has some nhl talent but not the high-end you know jack hughes type talent that we saw the year before and is still great so i think yeah the, the developmental team is is has really been the catalyst for that growth in the american game and then you see their ability to recruit players like, I mean, Austin Matthews came in from Phoenix, the Phoenix area. Like they're not bringing in guys just from the traditional hockey, like Minnesota, Michigan, Northeast regions anymore. They're bringing in guys from the West coast. They're bringing guys from the South. 
it shows the growth of the game and the youth levels, and it also shows the development of skill here in the States has become like rapidly improving. But yeah, I think we'll see Canada move on, and hopefully the U.S. can hold off Finland, and we can see the final that we all want to see. So back to uh, Kirby Doc's injury in the World Junior preseason game. I totally got that one wrong. I was guessing and hoping from the pictures that I saw of the actual break that he would have dodged surgery. But uh, about 15 minutes after we recorded last time and came out that he's going to miss 45 months with, with surgery to his wrist. And that's basically the whole season. I tried to be, you know, Stefania Bell from Fantasy Football Now and kind of speculate on an injury. And whoops, that bit me in the ass. Kind of the last thing that we wanted to tie into. Are, are we done with the Bleak Hawks recap? I think, yeah, yeah. I don't, like, I always want those to last less when I get to them. I'm like, you know, like, write a lot. And I'm like, ah, I just kind of want to run, run through that. Let's get yeah, past they're always, yeah. they're, I don't want. I don't want to touch that. They're always the longest thing on our on our our script for the day and then we touch on them for roughly four minutes and then we move on that's just because i'm like i'll like write some really you know angry prose and then like read it verbatim this is kind of uh it's kind of like your angry teenage poetry blackhawks are so bad it makes me sad my friends are glad the blackhawks are bad (laughs) so yeah um the National Women's Hockey League is set to play a big tournament style season, which sounds it sounds super fun. It also sounds super crazy and stressful. They're going to be at the Herb Brooks Arena in Lake Placid, New York, where the miracle happened um, from January 23rd to February 5th. I don't know how many games are playing in that stretch, but that's not even two weeks. So to say that that is a season yeah. sounds like they're just going to be playing a crazy amount of hockey and a i'm jealous b that sounds cool but the really important thing is they're going to do this with a all-woman officiating and line crew of 10 total trained by usa hockey uh, which is a huge milestone for the sport i mean a fully women's league refereed by women like i don't believe that's happened anywhere else in the world and i don't know if that's happened anywhere else in sports yet. So it's really cool to see. Yeah. And I think, you know, I, I was trying to remember if the umpires in a league of their own were women, but I think they were men (laughs) and not that the movie is an accurate representation of real life. But I think even then, like we were seeing men in positions of authority within that women's league And this seems to really take some of the ownership of that authority and put it into the hands of women who are, or of people of the same gender as the athletes. And I think that's really exciting. It's really cool to see one women's sports kind of start to thrive in the U S a little bit more. Mm -hmm. We've got the national women's hockey league. We've got the NWSL. We've got the WNBA, which regularly gets airtime on ESPN and has a league that I definitely would have thought would have folded 10 years ago. Still, right. Yeah, their endurance has been impressive because you know that a lot of these women are having to make sacrifices to do what they love. Massive and sacrifices. It It's good that, you know, 
they're getting more and more ownership. You know, does this solve all gender equality issues in sports? Absolutely not. But it is a great, great milestone. So I was kind of shocked to find out doing research for this that there's some like 3,000 women working as officials across hockey in uh, North America right now between Bantam and Juniors compared with about 50,000 male officials. So there's obviously a long ways to go here, but that's a pretty big number. I was impressed. Nobody has made it to the NHL yet in terms of female official, but I was also astonished to find that there was a woman in the 90s who was a professional hockey official. Heather McDaniel is the first female referee, and she refed in the CHL and WHL. And I even found a website that said that she refed a game in the NHL, but that appears to be erroneous. But she refed from 1995 until 1999, which kind of further in my mind cements like the 90s as this crazy time in hockey that, you know, gave us like pro beach hockey and like it seems like there was a lot of weird and crazy and fun experimentation going you know in the 90s when i was too young to really understand what was going on in the game but i was reading a a article about you know heather's debut and it was really interesting that you know she achieved this and then it's kind of just sat there you know nobody's really taken that baton and run with it and you know brought female official to higher levels of hockey. But uh, really, this is due to the efforts of USA Hockey and the NHL. You know, they've been making a lot of inroads into further development of women and uh, women's officials since 2017, which is the first time that they uh, had a woman participate in the Exposure Combine Camp, which is like a sort of rookie mini camp uh, and referee kind of uh, training experience. And then they, I guess, roll them into doing this like rookie exhibition. And so, I don't know, together it sort of seems like this like halo rumble training for officials. Like we we let you cut your teeth with the rookies and then like you move your way up and then get yelled at more and more. I don't know. Yeah, once you, and this goes for men and women, like once you are able to withstand being yelled at by Zidane Chara, you are able to continue refereeing, refereeing in the NHL. Anyways, like I think there's... There's this misogynistic view of female refs and officials in any sport that, you know, men or in the men's leagues of any sport. We saw recently the the San Antonio Spurs had a woman become the first woman to coach be as a head coach in the NBA after. Yeah, to coach head coach minutes. Yeah, after uh, Greg Popovich got, uh, got ejected from a game. The funny story that I've heard is Popovich is yelling at the refs and like Becky Hammond is sitting at the end of the bench and he gets he gets teed up and thrown out and he turns to Becky Hammond and goes, you're up now and walks off the walks off the court or it's, it's like you're up now or like this is all yours or something like that and just walks off the court. There's <laughs> got to be good video of this. I'm going to I'm going to look up some video of this. So, um, yeah, going back to this sort of exposure combine and training for officials that... So back in 2017, they started uh, with one woman. Uh, sorry, this whole thing started in 2014, kind of um, in gener- in like new hockey development circles, trying to improve refereeing in general. And in 2017, they brought the first woman invite. And then now in 2019, now in question marks, the most recent 
iteration of this has involved 11 female officials. Uh, Katie Gway, uh, I apologize if I'm butchering that name. Uh, she's a director of philanthropy for USA Hockey and also a very respected official. She also became the first woman to ref NCAA D1 hockey and has worked as high as the high-pressure beanpot game between Boston and BC. And she has also participated in a lot of behind-the-scenes development of this effort while also kind of being one of the heads of starring in it on the ice. So I thought that that's really interesting. Uh, but her, along with uh, Kelly Cook, have were the referees for the first all-woman crew to uh, referee a Women's Frozen Four, uh, this past Women's Frozen Four. And then they're joined by Kendall Hanley and Kirsten Welsh to referee uh, the NHL's elite three-on-three women's event at the last All-Star Game in Nashville. So, you know, these four women in particular have kind of seemed to be this like crew that have been given more and more exposure. And according to Cook, who's been one of the vocal ones in the press, I observed this from uh, Emily Kaplan's article on ESPN, but she said that in the last five years, you know, she's seen a drastic change in women in the sport and that, you know, now has extended into refereeing. But she said that has really coincided with with the growth of the game for women in general. And USA Hockey keeps some stats, but I didn't realize that there's something like a 25% increase over the last seven years in women's hockey participation. And if you compare that to an 18% growth in, in men's hockey, um, like that's kind of cool to see women's participation outpacing uh, men's in growth. All of these women, all of them played high-level college ice hockey and went into refereeing kind of as a way to stay with the game. When Some of them had other professional goals and chose refereeing over them or, you know, some of them, one of them went with refereeing just because that's what she could do easily after college. And, and then that just kind of picked up momentum and she found herself really enjoying it. But it is interesting that, you know, this refereeing is going to be one of the ways that we can involve more women in hockey and give more women ownership over the game, you know, for the foreseeable future. We talked about this a little bit in our last episode when we were talking about making hockey, making sports in general more inclusive. And we focused last week on the language that we use when talking about sports and how certain language precludes certain people from being able to enjoy sports and revel in that escapism that we all use sports for. And in this case, we are talking about inclusivity by providing chances for people from all walks of life to have the opportunities that, you know, maybe you and I as white men were growing up in hockey hotbeds were given more opportunity to to pursue. Yeah, we totally just take that for granted. Yeah, and exactly. And so as as we see the game grow in various directions, one of those directions has to be how do we get more people who haven't traditionally played hockey into hockey? We're seeing the fact that we're seeing this increase in uh, regist- registered players over the last seven years is really 
exhilarating. And I, I hope that that trend continues. And, you know, more importantly, you know, we talked also a couple of weeks ago about Kendall Coyne Schofield getting a coaching job with in the Blackhawks organization and you know, mm-hmm. she's going to work in skill development. So we're, we're starting to see that growth as well. There are several uh, women's coaches who work with NHL teams. It's only a matter of time before we see female coaches working in those, you know, the, the traditional top four sports more prevalently. It's cool to see the NBA kind of lead the charge on that, but just like it's mm-hmm. time for the NHL to really step up its uh, step up its game, so to speak, <laughs> in working to get more people of color into the game, it's also a time for us to really integrate women into the game as well and make sure that they are starting to be you know, executives, to be coaches, to be trainers, to be all of these positions that have traditionally been held by men. There are talented women out there who can absolutely fill these roles and it's time to give them their fair chance. Yeah. The, the more, you know, women and non-binary and trans people we can get on the sidelines. One assumes that that will then filter through to the playing field and, you know, the more executives, the more coaches, the more officials, the more trainers. Yeah. It's just, that makes the whole environment safer and the whole culture more germane and accepting. And I think that's, that's really the goal. It is interesting that, you know, Sarah Thomas in the NFL has been there for what a year now. And I mean, I haven't heard anything negative about the experience from her perspective, but it also seems like like hockey officials and football officials have some different uh, social responsibilities in the game. You know, uh, the the NFL is much more top down in its protection of officials, and and everything is more micromanaged. I think. And when you're a hockey official, like you're just out there a lot. You know, you have to. There's there's a lot of give and take. You're you're really you have to interact with the players i think on a level that maybe football officials aren't don't have to i think some of the good ones do but it's interesting to see that maybe the hockey culture is creating this barrier in a way one wonders what the experience would be like for the first nhl female referee when when you know when we, it seems like it's only a matter of time until that happens so you know hopefully it's it's a good experience for her and no matter who is in the league at that point. Yeah. And I think we're also, we're talking about executives too. There's been a lot of rumblings slash rumors that Florence Schelling, who is a Swiss mm-hmm. general manager of SC burn in the Swiss national league will be kind of tipped to be a GM in the United States and the NHL in the near future. Cool. And so all it takes is one person to, to kind of open that door and for people to see that it's possible. You know, we talk about Jackie, we hold Jackie Robinson in his high esteem for great reason. Like Jackie Robinson came in and played a game better than most of the players that he were currently playing it and paved the way. And now we see the MLB as a very, a very multicultural game. Now, also, all it takes is that first female referee. All it takes is that first female head coach. All it takes is that first female GM 
And then we can stop saying that we're waiting for that first one. We can start just saying, okay, this, per- this woman is qualified. Let's give her the opportunity. And, you know, it's that, that glass ceiling that is so often uh, associated with women's employment. All it takes is one crack. Right. And so if that, mm-hmm. that, if Florence Schelling is that, that one crack that gets women in the door, then we'll start to see these kinds of transitions where qualified women are making these sorts of decisions or becoming these sorts of decision makers in the men's game. And that's a positive for everyone. If we're already having women referee at the NHL all-star game, I would hope to see a part-time female ref within three years, maybe a full-time female ref with five, you know, that would be, that would be super awesome. I mean, that's a completely arbitrary timetable. It's just coming from my head, but well, it, that would just... Well, the NHL has already said that these women are capable of refereeing an NHL-level game. So what's stopping them from doing that? It seems like it probably just acclimating the fans. And, Fuck you know, kind of... <laughs> Fuck these fans. Well, uh, like, but also, you know, they're, they're kind of uh, tearing down resistance slowly. And yeah, that is also painful to see in its own. Yeah, right. but you know, uh, you know what breaks that down faster is putting it in the their off. face. So last mm-hmm. week, uh, so Leeds United is a football club in the English Premier League. A female pundit in England said that they, they were in the championship last year. They got promoted this year. A female pundit said that if it hadn't been for COVID, they probably wouldn't have been promoted. The team, Leeds United, posted that clip on their social media and kind of were like tut-tut about it. And within five days, that female pundit had taken down their Twitter account because of the misogynistic comments that had come in to her and misogynistic threats. Like, you know, like... For being right? Well, the uh, well, actually, she was probably wrong. They actually won the championship oh, yeah. by 10 points. They were way ahead. But, like, her job... Because I think, like, the Blackhawks, like, the Blackhawks would not have made the bubble without COVID. Right. Like, you know... And so, if some woman said that, she'd be a 1,000% yeah. correct. <laughs> and would probably get the same bullshit right. blowback. So, the, the thing I'm saying here is, there's one, there's no reason for a professional sports team to do that. We know the age that we live in. We know that every sports team in the world has idiot fans who sit in the gutters waiting to ooze out into the streets, (laughs) spouting off this like misogynistic racist bullshit. So why would you as a football club and I guess, and I'm going to say football because it's England and I can say it. Um, actually the Timbers are a football club. So fuck it. Everything else is throw ball. Yes. So like this club opened up this woman for this type of con, uh, this type of abuse from the commentary from their fan base. And so the reason I say fuck them to these fans who have to acclimate to a woman doing a man's job. Fuck you. Who was in the factories during world war two women? Fuck you. Like we know that women are just as capable as men in almost everything. And we know that men are just as capable as women in almost everything. It's not about gender anymore. Like, let's just stop fucking talking about that. And if you have a problem with there being a female ref in the NHL, you should just go away. 
<laughs> yeah, you're absolutely right. You probably have an American flag overlay on your Facebook page, which proves that your IQ is lower than 70. So, like, just shut up and go away and let progress happen. That's exactly how you or I would want it. You know, we would want them to just kind of do it, pull the bandaid off. But, you know, organizations, especially organizations like the NHL, don't necessarily think that way. Or if they do, it's like with fits and starts and a lot of focus groups. Um, Fuck focus groups. But the overall trend... (laughs) fuck committee work fuck Uh, focus groups (laughs) like let's just do it (laughs) spoken spoken like a true academic oh god no this is all we do is committee work and fucking focus groups i know the worst nobody can assign their name to any decision (laughs) that's that's why i i can see your like uh every focus group that the idea every committee has a fucking acronym I'm over it. I'm so over it. Middle management just makes Jake even matter. I would, I would love, I would love to be middle management and then be the one who says, no, fuck this group. I'm just getting this done. Like, (laughs) but Jake, you did it by yourself. Yes, I did. And it works. So fuck you. This is, this is another segment where Jake says fuck a lot. (laughs) (laughs) So, I mean, the next thing that will cause consternation amongst the fandom, the the purists, is, uh, you know, a lexicon change from what do you call an official that watches offsides in hockey that is genderless and gender neutral? You know, we've known this position as linesman for all of the time we've been playing hockey. So, you know, is it proper to change that to lineswoman for a woman or is it more proper to say like lines person honestly it all sounds real weird and awkward um, and it always does so i don't exactly how you navigate right yeah it, i don't know if you if the preference for most people these days is to say lineswoman or to come up with one unified term as I think that would be my preference. But yeah, it'll be ticky tack to to somebody, to you know, a lot of old men in Canada, they'll be very angry about this. Fucked on um, cherry too. And there will be pushback. <laughs> but it does really strike me as some level of mi- unnecessary microaggression to have, you know, women professionally vying for a, a position with a gendered name. I mean, that would be ideally something that we could get rid of while we're editing all of this yeah and and if we're gonna go with lines person lines people lines woman as long as the women are happy with it that's really what i care for like we used to have actors and actresses now we just have best female actor best male actor like we used to have stewardesses now we have flight attendants it can happen we can move past it just do it Absolutely. So, you know, like lines official or something like we have the referee and the lines official like that. that played What we game. should do is put know. this in a focus group with committees and <laughs> form a national response to this great dilemma. It'll probably be more effective than the stimulus package. Hey, oh, I haven't gotten <laughs> mine yet. Yeah. Me either. We don't. Must be because we're liberals. Yeah, they know. Like this, this motherfucker voted for Biden. <laughs> He's going to spend his $600 on audio. PlayStation podcast. Not really. 
I mean, it might have been more effective if they just sent people PlayStation 5s. I would have been happy with that. Because you could scalp them for more than $600. Oh, right now, for sure. To get back to the lines person, like, change happens. I, I think Evan and I want to see it happen much faster than it does usually. Because we're people that embrace change. You know, not everyone embraces yeah. Unless it's to the Red Wings jersey. <laughs> I don't think anybody's embraced no. that. I haven't heard not a good a thing about one. it. But yeah, should we try like a, a slick outro? I think stay handsome is the is the way to go. At least that's that's gonna be my outro. We can we can both use it. You can think of your own thing, but like I think I feel like that's you know, we, we thank the listeners and we say stay handsome. I think that's a good one. Yeah, I I I don't think it can do better than that. So with that, you know, thanks to everybody for listening. We really appreciate anybody who takes the time to listen to us banter, uh, which as of right now is zero people except for the people in our households. But hopefully very soon, maybe 10 or 15 people. And that would be cool. Um, but we really appreciate you uh, for anybody who listens to this in the future. We appreciate you, even though you're not on board yet. And we're, we really look forward to coming back next week with our, our full preview for a not full season. And we look forward to talking to you then. In the meantime, you know, stay handsome and we'll talk to you soon. Take care. Bye.